there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. All right, so throughout this preach, um, I'll carry on the tradition of sharing the nicknames we've so gracefully acquired over our lives. Um, so my, I don't really have many nicknames, except for the ones my sister always gave me. And they were always like weird, right? They, they sounded like something from The Hobbit, right? So, so she would call me things like Dougal, or even Seymour from, I don't know, what was, was Seymour from The Simpsons? <laughs> or McStrudel, Sammy Diggle. It was always these weird, Sammy Diggle, you remember, yeah, yeah. Um, but in the streets, whoa, whoa, I was known for Sam Wellington. I know, yeah. I was always a Superman fan. And as a kid, I'd always go around wearing red wellies. Uh, Superman was literally my hero. And uh, I acquired the name Sam Wellington. And I welcome it because I love Superman. So there you go. Over the last month or so, we have been diving deep into the names of God. As we know, in the many stories throughout the Bible... Some names were given to God based on someone's experience, and some names God himself revealed. All these amazing names reveal to us not many gods, but many different aspects of the nature of the one true God. These names show us a much fuller, a much more colorful truth of the magnificence of God's goodness. And so my hope and my prayer for us today is that more than ever, God will be magnified in our hearts and Jesus will be exalted and have his proper place in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you move in this place and mold our hearts in your name. Amen. Amen. So today we are looking, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, forgive me, but we're looking at Jehovah Sabaoth. 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 Jehovah Sabaoth, I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) And Jehovah Sabaoth means the Lord of hosts. And this name is made up of two, Jehovah and Sabaoth. So we're going to look at Jehovah first. Um, We've got here, Jehovah is an amazing name because it's more than just a name that identifies a person. In the Bible, in the book of Exodus chapter 3, we have the story of when Moses first met God. And God was calling Moses to go back to his own people to help save them from slavery. And, uh, and from out of a bush that was on fire, yet not burning, God speaks and reveals his name. So in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 3 in Exodus, it says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. In the Hebrew, that is ahir, asher, ahir. And that's important because that means he will be or I will be. That's God speaking to us as I will be. I am who I am. And then it says this. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And that I am is where we start to get the name Jehovah, because that means he will be. It's like our response to God in name form. He will be has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. 
God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, Jehovah, that's where we get it from, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Love that. In other words, God didn't just give us his name as his identity, but a name that we can call upon and remember him by. For example, I've had moments that we can, uh, that we can call upon and remember. Oh, sorry, I missed myself. For example, I've had moments in my life where I've been praying or reading my Bible, and it's like the whole place gets filled with the presence and the glory of God. I remember one time I was uh, praying through the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, and I was on top of a hill. So it was very glorious. And the view was beautiful and very inspiring. And I remember being so filled with joy and awe at this God who is so massive, so powerful beyond anything we could comprehend, and yet so willingly has given himself to us to enjoy. To enjoy. And that's what we've been doing this morning in praise, in worship, even in communion, just remembering his sacrifice, that almighty God giving himself for us to enjoy. How beautiful. So coming back to the name Jehovah, this is the first moment God reveals his name in the Bible. And we don't know how to exactly pronounce, how it was pronounced. Some say Jehovah, some say Yehovah, some say Yahweh. I personally prefer saying Yahweh, it just rolls off the tongue better. But there's something amazing about this name, because even though we don't fully know how to pronounce this most sacred name, we do know that the original Hebrew consonants, which are yod Hey vah used in the spelling of the sacred name Yahweh, are in fact the only consonants that, if correctly pronounced, do not allow you to use your tongue or move your lips. In fact, we know that the pronouncing of the sacred name was an, an attempt to imitate and replicate breath. It was inhalation and exhalation. Yahweh. You can imagine it being like that. And it means that the first word you ever spoke when you came out of your mother's womb was the name of God. And the last word you'll ever speak, the last breath you will ever take, is the name of God. And so we might not know how to exactly say the name or pronounce it, but every moment of every day we are breathing the very sacred name. This name that imitates breath is to show us that the very name of God is life, is healing, is peace, is joy, and so on. In John chapter 4, verse 24... Jesus says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word for spirit uh, is the in the ancient Greek word is pneuma, which has its primary translation meaning air, breath, breeze. It's also the same in the original Hebrew language, that the same word for spirit is also air, breath, breeze, or even wind, ruach, it's called. So it might be hard to know for certainty how to say God's name, because it was thousands of years ago, and yet it's as easy as breathing. That's, so good. That's, so good. That's how close he is. That's so good. And so I love this, because God said, I am who I am. When we study this, we see that God is saying, I am the self-existent one, eternal one, no beginning, no ending. In Psalm 90... Verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and to the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are 
God. That saying from everlasting to that means from eternity of eternities, no beginning, no end. And, and again, in the original language here, where it says you are God, there's no word for are. It's almost like from eternity of eternities, you, God. <laughs> it's like no human language can convey how awesome and powerful and wonderful God is. He just is. He is, you know. For me, this has helped massively when I pray or even approach God. God, um, sometimes when something is troubling me or a situation that seems so impossible lifts its head, I know I can come to God, the great I am who I am, saying, you are who you are. Sometimes I picture my mind, in my mind, God answering my prayer or seeing that impossible, impossible situation turn around. And sometimes I don't have any words, but I do have the great I am listening. I have his ear. I approach God knowing that he is who he is able to do anything. He is the answer to everything. Everything. He is the reason for our very breath. So much so that in Acts 17, verse 24 to 28, this is one of my favorite verses. um, And it says this. The, and this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking here. It says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with human hands, nor is he served with human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, and he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him. I love this. Matt, maybe you're here, and you don't know whether or not God's real or not, but God has put something inside of every single one of us that is looking for him. And whether we don't know it or not, he's even on our breath that we are seeking him and feeling our way towards him throughout this life. And then it says, um, and then it says, and find him. I'm just reminded, it's not in my notes, but I'm just reminded in the book of Jeremiah, God says, if you seek me with all your heart, here comes the promise, you will find me. You will find me. And the next bit here says, though he is not far from each one of us, even his name is on our breath. And then this is my, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For in him, in him, we live and move and exist. <laughs> we can't even live without God being our very life source and our breath is meant to continually remind us of our constant need for him. How beautiful is that? So that's Jehovah or Yahweh as I like to prefer it. But let's have a quick look at the second part of the name, Sabaoth, or Sabaoth. <laughs> it can either mean, uh, it can either be translated as armies or hosts. And it's mentioned over 285 times in the whole Bible. That's a lot. This means that God really wants us to know him that way or in this way. So Sabaoth means, or host, literally points to the angel armies in heaven. It's specifically talking about the armies of heaven, who are the angels. This name helps us to know that not only is God God, but that he is a king who has a kingdom. 
and his army is made up of warrior angels. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen an angel, by the way? Random question, I know. <laughs> I have, a few times. Um, and I can talk to you about it at the end. Anyone? Yeah, you have? Cool. It's not uncommon as a Christian to see angels. In fact, the Bible is full of angels interacting with God's people. And we are never called to pray to angels. We're never called to have some angel numbers. We're never called to seek and to think, oh, my angel's a bit more, or anything like that. But we can know that God has sent angels. If we could see, I'm presuming there's one right here standing with me, helping me minister to you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. So, I know it's a bit mystical, but it's true. God has a kingdom. And we'll see it one day. Right, where was I? Because I just went off on angels. <laughs> so, the Bible is full of accounts of when God's angels helped to do his will on the earth. This name, Sabaoth, helps us to un- have an understanding of the fact that God, Jehovah, is king and lord over every army in heaven and on earth. And he is also king and lord over all creation, both in heaven and on earth. And the Bible says that one day every knee will bow before Jesus and every tongue will confess his name, that he is the Lord. Some Bible translations say, Lord of the angel armies, and some say Lord Almighty, but most say the Lord of hosts. The first time the Lord of hosts is mentioned in the Bible is in 1 Samuel 1, chapter 1, verse 3. And I won't go into the whole backstory of all of this, and it's wonderful. Please read it when you go home in 1 Samuel. But I just want to pick out this verse where it's first mentioned, and it says, this man would go up from his city yearly, and it says this, to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. And that's the first mention of it. And for me as a, as a worshiper and as a worship leader sometimes up here, um, I love that this name has a direct link to worship and, and sacrifice. You look at all the offering today, thank goodness we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus became our final, ultimate sacrifice, amen. However, we get to enjoy and take part in that sacrifice when we can give out of ourselves. This is sacrificial. And even when we praise, the Bible talks about our praise is a sacrifice of praise. It's pleasing God. It's like a a pleasing aroma to God, it says. Um, And this sacrifice is the fruit of lips of thanksgiving to God for all that he's done. How beautiful. So the Lord of hosts, this name, is directly linked with worship and sacrifice. And when we read this name throughout the Bible, it is almost always connected to giving God honor, praise, and worship. I haven't got in my notes, but I'm just reminded of, of one of the Psalms. It says, who is this king of glory? Who is he? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. <laughs> it's just about giving him honor and praise, you know. I also love the word hosts. Because not only does it show a God who is supreme and overall, but that he is also a God who wants to host as many as possible. He loves to reveal himself as one who invites us into his very presence. And he is longing for that connection, that union, that fellowship that he once had with mankind. He's longing for that to be fully restored. 
And that, my friends, is where Jesus comes in. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. So I'm just going to read a bit of a chunk of Scripture, if that's all right. It's probably better to listen to the words than my words anyway, right? <laughs> but here we go. It says this in John chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 1 and 18. And it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Or another way of saying that the darkness did not overpower it, did not overcome it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world, I love this, enlightens every man. I love talking to people who are kind of into new agey stuff and a bit of like, you know, and they want to be enlightened, enlightenment, and all this kind of stuff. I'm just like, you don't have to search much further. He already came. The true light that enlightens every man came into the world and is here. <laughs> he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. Has anybody received Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Has anyone received? But as many... As received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, were born of God, were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's one of first uh, Springs' favorite verses there. We just love Jesus as the embodiment of grace and truth, not half and half, fully grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And then he says this, For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. I love how this version here says the word explained. It's like it's not just explaining with his lips or with his words. He, he is explaining it. It's like you want to know what Father God is like? You look at Jesus. You want to you, you know how he acts and, and his will and, and, and what his love feels like. Just, just go to Jesus. He is God in fullness in flesh. So I'm just going to explain this a little bit because there, there's a lot of info in there. We could have a whole week of study. Just like that, like, you know. But I'll just try and simplify it a little bit. The Greek word used for the title, the word, at the very beginning here, it says in the beginning was the word. That, in the Greek, is logos. Say logos. logos. 
Logos. Logos, and I got this from my dad, right? So, you know, maybe you might want to Google this. <laughs> He's usually right. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I, I did look up. Logos was an ancient Greek way of thinking. It was a philosophy, and it was about the, the way the universe existed. Logos was considered to be the very force that causes everything to exist and keeps everything existing. It was actually what inspired the creators of Star Wars uh, to use the term, may the force be with you. They came to this and see, yeah, they came to this and saw the world. Oh, yeah. and, they, and then it kind of dragged them down this whole philosophy. And they're like, oh, let's use that in a film. And yeah, may the force be with you. So we can see here that John, who wrote this gospel in Greek, knew who his audience was. And he wanted to reveal to them that this logos is not just a force or some kind of energy, but an actual person, Jesus. Jesus is the logos who became flesh. John is literally saying that this Jesus is Jehovah. He is Yahweh, this I am who I am, this breath, this life. The very one who created all things and is himself the author of life because he is life itself. This Jesus is the one who revealed his name to Moses. In John uh, chapter 8, verse 56 and 59, Jesus himself, in a mic drop moment, I love this, he declared himself that he is the I am. And he just had this massive debate with the religious leaders of the day. And he says this right at the end. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, here I am, <laughs> before Abraham was born, I am. How awesome is that? The thing about this statement is that Abraham was hundreds of years before Moses, right? And it was to Moses that God revealed his name as I am who I am. So Jesus is literally saying, not just when Moses was here, even before Abraham, even in that psalm we've just read, from everlasting to everlasting, you are. Jesus is saying, I've, I'm, I'm here. I'm revealing myself. The very force that holds everything together is a person in flesh before you, revealing the very nature of God, the Father himself. Amen? He is, I am. Let's have a quick look at what um, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 17. Oh, man. Such a good verse. He says, he, Jesus. You know what? I'm just going to put the, the name Jesus where, everywhere where it says he. <laughs> Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Existence is currently existing because he's holding all things together. The very fact that we're not falling apart in terms of atoms or whatever you are, I'm not a scientist, but he is holding all things together. So not only is Jesus the reason for all existence, but he's the one who is also sustaining existence. <laughs> he is holding all things together. How awesome. 
Jesus is the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, of hosts of all creation. Jesus is God, Jehovah, Yahweh, who revealed himself by becoming one of us. And we were created by him and for him. God created us to be worshippers. This is interesting. God created us to be worshippers. It's in our nature. We all have a desire inside of us that wants to worship something. It might be money. It might be career, celebrities, stuff. It might even be ourselves. I'm guilty of that. But the truth is that nothing will fully satisfy us until we just come to Jesus, who is God, the Lord of hosts. Jesus, in whom we were made for God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our praise, but we need to worship and praise him. Because when we do, we step into the very reason of of our meaning for our existence. We come alive on the inside because we were created by him and for him, meaning that through Jesus, we can forever have not religion, but a friendship and a relationship with God Almighty himself. And some of us might have an image of this God as a judge ready to strike us down. Well, yeah, kind of. He is a judge. And in whom we will face one day and we'll have to give an account of our lives. And that is a sobering thought. But if you have come to faith in this Jesus, then in his own words, you will not come under judgment, but have passed from death to life. Look at what it says in John 5, verse 24. It says, truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, the Father God, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. He isn't waiting for us to fall and mess up and make mistakes. He isn't waiting for us to sin. In fact, he's with us right now, even in the midst of our imperfections, full of grace and truth. What he is waiting for is for you to call out to him. Even if you're already a Christian, he's waiting for your voice. He's waiting to hear from you every single day. He's waiting for you to turn to him and realize that he is your everything. He is calling out to you today to receive him into your life. Believe in his name, the name of Jesus. Completely give yourself to him so that in Christ Jesus, you can become a child of God, no matter where you've come from. Coming to faith in Jesus simply means that not only do you acknowledge that he lived, that God exists, (laughs) but that God himself came from heaven to earth to save us he saved us and showed us his immense love by dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins our mistakes all of our imperfections and believing that our good deeds will never be enough to earn ourselves eternal life only his sacrifice on the cross is more than enough to save anyone willing to receive this amazing truth no matter what you've done in the past no matter what you're ashamed of God is offering you grace, forgiveness, cleansing, freedom, and eternal life. But he didn't end with his sacrifice. We've talked about the fact that Jesus is the author of life. And guess what? 
death could never hold the God of the universe down. On the third day, as we, as we read in the scripture, Jesus conquered death. Not only to justify himself as Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, but also to give us great hope. So much so that he is our living hope. He's not just a hope, he's alive. So he's our living hope. <laughs> and every promise God has ever made to us in regards to the present life and the eternal life after we pass, we know and we can fully trust in him, knowing that death is absolutely not the end. But that not only can we have a relationship with God now, but because of Jesus, we have become his children and will forever be with him. Jesus himself said that he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. He came to seek and, sa and to save the lost. He came to heal all who are broken from the inside out. That's all of us, by the way. He came to heal the broken from the inside out. We are broken because of sin. Jesus loves you. God loves you. I almost want to plead with you, if you don't know him today, to just receive him into your heart today. Believe in him, trust in him, and you will be saved. And God will give you so much of his love and joy that no matter what trials that you face in life, he will always be with you. That's something the world doesn't have. But when we come to Christ, even though we still go through the same trials, the difference is Jesus. He's with us. And he'll sustain you with his deep joy. He will even remove the fear of death from you. I remember years ago when I was younger, uh, I think I'm probably in my teenage years, but I just remember um, the, the reality of you know, death. One day we'll get old and, that, and it just freaked me out. And for about a good two weeks, every night, I was crying and fr just freaking out. Um, and I was just, you know, Lord, I, you know, I can't remember what I was saying. But I just remember going to um, a youth conference we used to go to called Audacious. Woo. And, uh, and Glyn, the pastor, he prophesied and he, he said, like, there's people here who are afraid of death. Don't need to be. If that's you, come to the front. And so I went to the front and uh, you know, a bunch of other people went. And, um, and I just remember as he was praying over us, just the, the weight of that fear coming off. When you know the love of God, you don't fear anything anymore. You really don't. His perfect love can cast out every fear within us. It's true. It's true. And he gives us an amazing hope and joy that no one can ever take away. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Um, band, you guys can come back up if you like. Um, we're just going to respond and, and we're going to kind of start singing this new song again. By the way, how awesome with the worship team this morning. Come on, give them a <laughs> I'm proud of these guys. I just want to give an opportunity to anyone who doesn't know whether or not they are saved. You know deep down that you need Jesus in your life. Perhaps you don't know. Perhaps you don't know if you've received the gift of eternal life. Do you know God as a friend? Do you know Jesus? Not just about him, but do you know him? Are there things in your life like fears or shame and guilt that you need freedom from today? 
Do you know with absolute certainty that you are a child of God, that you belong to him? Have you received God's forgiveness? The good news is that today you can become a new creation, the Bible says. The old can go and the new can come in. Today you can invite Jesus into your life. Today you can finally have true peace with God and peace with yourself. So I just want to say a prayer here. It's not a magical formula or anything like that. It's a prayer to help you understand what it means to invite Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour and the King of your life. So I'm just going to ask everyone to bow your heads. And if this is connecting with you in any way, if this is resonating with you in any way, if you know that you don't have Jesus, but you know that you need him, then as I pray this prayer, just make it your own within your heart. Just make it your own. So Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you exist. I thank you for sending your own son, Jesus Christ, to show me how to live. To clear the debt of all I have ever done wrong, that I could never repay with my own good deeds. I believe that when you gave your life on the cross, you made a way for me to be saved and to come out of darkness into your wonderful light. I thank you that death could not hold you down. And because you defeated death, I now receive the hope of eternal life that you won for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for your mercy your grace and your truth. Thank you for your love and for forgiving me. Please come into my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. Help me to live and to love like you. Help me to turn away from things that don't please you. Today I respond to your call and say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just keep your heads bowed for a moment. The Bible encourages us that when you become a Christian, to simply respond and to make it known. It even says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, God is encouraging you that if you want to receive him, it's important to just show that you've received him publicly. And so with everyone's head bowed, I just want to welcome anyone here who's received Jesus just. You can either lift your hand or you can look at me. If that's you, we can do that. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. That's awesome. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. those who responded, Lord, I thank you, Lord. 
that heaven has gained another child of God. We have gained another sibling in the kingdom of God. And God, I pray for this person. God, that they would walk with you all the days of their life. God, that, that this word would be sown deep into their hearts and that the enemy would not steal it from them. Jesus, I pray you protect them all the days of their life and may they be a powerful witness for you. Let them experience your presence even now. Fill them with your precious Holy Spirit. Let them know how loved and cherished they are. Thank you, Jesus, for saving someone today. The angels rejoice. And we rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are worthy of our honor and praise. Come on, church. Let's stand together. We're going to go into worship. We're going to go into praise. Remember that this is what we were made for, to worship and to praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.